0: This is the second day of this January 2022 Rohatsu Seven Day Sashin. And I'm going to read again this morning from a book of uh, talks by Charlotte Joko Beck entitled Nothing Special, <clears throat> subtitled Living Zen. don't know if I mentioned yesterday that Joko was... Uh, Zen teacher at the uh, Zen Center of San Diego, Uh, been a student of Maizumi Roshis in Los Angeles. No longer alive, but uh, her words sure are. I'm going to begin with a talk, a section that's entitled The Fall, and it goes like this. There was once a man who climbed to the top of a 10-story building and jumped off. As he passed the fifth floor on his way down, he was heard to say, so far so good. We laugh at the man because we see what's coming up for him in a moment. How can he say he's doing well so far? What's the difference between the second when he is at the fifth floor and the second just before he hits the pavement? The second before hitting the pavement is what most of us would call a crisis. If we think that we have only a few minutes or days before we die, most of us would say this is a crisis. On the other hand, our days are proceeding normally, the usual job, the usual people, the usual tasks, life may not seem wonderful, but at least we're used to it. At such times we don't feel we're in a crisis, and we may not feel impelled to practice with diligence. Let's look at the supposed difference between crisis and non-crisis. Sashin is an artificial crisis. When we commit ourselves to a retreat, we have to stay and struggle with a difficult situation. <clears throat> we do, and everyone with us does. Sashin we do together. Even, even via Zoom, we're all doing Sashin together. By the end of the retreat, most of us have gone through the crisis, at least enough so that we see our life somewhat differently. It's sad that we don't understand that each moment of our lives, drinking a cup of coffee, walking down the street to pick up a paper, is it. Why don't we grasp that truth? We don't get it because our little minds think that this second that we're living has hundreds of thousands of seconds that preceded it and hundreds of thousands of seconds still to come, so we turn away from truly living our life. It's that old been there, done that. One of the things that happens in practice is you realize, no, I've never been here. I've never done this. She says, instead, instead of grasping the truth that this moment is it, instead of living in this moment, instead what we do, instead we do, what human beings spend all their time doing, which is a complete waste of time. We try mentally to scheme so that we will never have to suffer through a crisis. We spend all of our energies trying to be liked, successful, nice, agreeable, assertive or non-assertive, depending on what we think will do it for us. We have schemes. Most of our energies go into these schemes as we try to handle our life so that we never hit the bottom. That's why it's so wonderful to get close to that bottom. That's why people who are seriously ill or who have a devastating circumstance in their lives often wake up. There was a... uh, in the 19th century, the 1800s, a British clergyman named Sidney Smith, who said, there is not the least use preaching to anyone unless you chance to catch them ill. It's the nature of setbacks that they allow us to break out of this sense that everything is gonna go along the way it's always gone We can afford to coast, put ourselves on automatic pilot, and indulge in our favorite thing, which is scanning the horizon for threats and rewards. A lot of people, if they think back on the things that made a big difference in their lives, often it was the bad things that helped them to turn a corner realize something new. No, for me, one of the luckiest things that ever happened to me was the uh, police lights in my rearview mirror when I got pulled out over for uh, driving while drunk. Even within a day or two, I realized, okay, this is good. Something here is happening. Many people, a huge turnaround comes on their deathbed. We're all headed towards our deathbed. We're all falling past the fifth floor and we're all going, so far so good. This business about uh, the various strategies that we try, being trying to be liked, trying to be successful, nice, agreeable, assertive or non-assertive, depending on what we think will do it for us. It's interesting to see how we like to present ourselves and understand how much of that is just reflexive. <clears throat> Joko calls it a strategy, as if we sat down and thought it out Maybe it might be more accurate to just say it's the pattern that we've frozen into going back to who knows when when we were little children trying to deal with a world that didn't give us what we wanted and could get seriously scary. We all have our own versions of these things. One that she doesn't mention is is zoning out. For a lot of people, that's that's their escape mechanism. Just stop feeling. She says that's why people who are seriously ill or who have a devastating circumstance in their lives often wake up. Wake up to what? What do we wake up to? And a student offers to the present. Joko says, yes. And what else? Another student to impermanence. Impermanence. All right, that's true. To our bodily sensations. Yes. And more than that, we wake up to what? Finally, the wonder of it all. And she says, the wonder of this second. When this second is not me or anything else, but just, oh. And that doesn't mean some giant emotion, but just. That all of our worries are non-existent. This is what we can access in Sashin so much more easily, especially as the days go on. Our strategies get shredded a little bit People often comment about how long it takes them to settle in, in terms of days with the session, but also just <clears throat> in a round, or a new block of sitting. It's because we have left, we left the moment, Get up off the mat, it's so easy to go back into our automatic habits. It's really what we're working on. It's one of the reasons Sashin is so wonderful, because we make this effort all day, all night. Doesn't have to be tortured, don't have to twist ourselves into a knot. Just have to be awake. Just have to be aware. It's the simplest thing, it doesn't require uh, any kind of strain, just requires some faith. Faith in the process, faith faith in the practice, faith in ourselves. so there's just this and then all of our worries are non-existent but usually we only have such a realization we have such a realization only when we are pressed hard enough that our mind is pulled into the present moment then we can forget all our schemes of fixing ourselves, somebody else or circumstances. <clears throat> this is one of the reasons why uh, people climb mountains. I remember reading. Uh, oh, John Krakauer. Yeah, John Krakauer. The name of the book, "Into Thin Air," I think. Um, just uh, some of the some of the people who summited Mount Everest. This book accounts a disastrous trip up Mount Everest where a number of people died, including the group leader. But the people who are just addicted to mountain climbing, what it it offers is it requires concentration that's so close and intense, you have to live in the moment. You have to be thinking about nothing but your next handhold, your next footstep. A lot of people whose lives are miserable can overcome that when they're facing some sort of really, really tough challenge. Probably why a lot of us like Sashin, (laughs) to tell you the truth. But it's interesting, because being totally present is always available. It's just that we need something, evidently, in the beginning anyway, to come in from the outside and force our nose to the grindstone it says then we can forget all our schemes of fixing ourselves somebody else or circumstances most people spend 50 to 90% of their waking hours trying to avoid the bottom. Yet we can't avoid it. We're all on our way down, every one of us. We can't avoid the bottom, but we spend most of our life trying to do that. Waking up means realizing that our situation is hopeless and wonderful. There is nothing for us to do except simply to live this second. When we're in crisis or in sashine. We may not wake up fully, but we wake up enough so that the way we see our life shifts. We realize that our usual maneuvers, worrying about the past, projecting an imaginary future, don't make sense. They waste precious seconds. That's the point. Every second is it. But when we're in planning mode figuring things out, then this particular moment has no value. It's just one moment in an endless stream. so easy to put it aside, try to figure out what to do. And sometimes we need to do that. Sometimes there's planning that has to be done. But I think the point is clear to everyone that our planning is way, way, way out of control. It's like we could say that... uh, Social media is pleasant, or an iPhone is pleasant, or whatever. But, <laughs> but when it takes over our life, not so good. <clears throat> she says, from one point of view, we're always in crisis. We're always falling toward the bottom. From another point of view... There is no crisis. If we're going to die in one second, is there any crisis? No. It's just that second. One second we're alive, one second we're dead. There is no crisis, there's just what is. But the human urge to do the impossible keeps us mucked up. And that urge is extremely powerful when it comes to something like death or physical injury. We weren't programmed by evolution to necessarily live in the present. It doesn't help get our genes into the next generation. From the point of view of passing our genetic makeup on, our being happy is of little value. Our being connected to reality. So in a way, we're swimming upstream trying to find a way to live that we've forgotten. She says there's no crisis, it's just what is. And this is actually true. There's not a crisis if there's nothing you can do. And for a lot of things, there is nothing. It's like somebody going in for an operation. There's two different ways to do it. One is to fret about the fact that the doctors may very well make a mistake. Maybe you'll get bad care. Things won't work out. There's another to realize, I can't stand over the shoulders of the doctors while I'm laying on the table. Just have to put yourself in someone else's hands. you can do that it's really kind of wonderful to realize you're being taken care of we're so fortunate to live in this country at a time when healthcare relatively speaking is so advanced Spend so much time with worry. It doesn't make us bad people. <clears throat> Not advising people to worry about how much they spend worrying. But to see it. <clears throat> when you see it, you can let it go. So much of the uh, stressing that we do, so much of the leaving the moment that we do is done unconsciously. We don't see it happening. It happens so quick. It's the great thing about sitting is that we begin to see that and then that seeing starts to slip into our whole life. Where we used to tune out for hours, now maybe it's only... A minute or two. I had a friend who was driving down south somewhere, I think maybe to Florida, but he was leaving Ohio, and he came to in Tennessee. Couldn't even remember how he got there. (laughs) Just one thought after another. end our lives trying to avoid the unavoidable. Our energies, our emotions, our projects, go into making money, being successful, having everybody like us, because we secretly believe that such things will protect us. One of our most powerful illusions is that being in love can give us real protection. In reality, there is no protection, no answer. Our lives are absolutely hopeless, that's why they're wonderful. And it's not a big deal. <clears throat> One of the uh, earliest uh, meditations in in uh, Buddhism, recommended by the Buddha himself, is to meditate on our own death. Monks used to go into a, a cemetery uh, where corpses were laid out, uh, unburied, and meditate on their own inevitable death. It sounds like a kind of gruesome uh, practice, but it can really wake us up. For the Buddha, it was seeing the inevitability of death. Everyone we love and care for, family, mother, father, wife or husband, children. All of us pass away. How can we live as if that weren't true? Of course, for the Buddha, that spurred his practice, spurred his journey, and in the end brought him to his great awakening. She says, Who wants to be successful? Who wants to be liked? All of us. There's nothing wrong with such wants unless we believe the illusion. Even even wanting to make a million dollars can be great fun, as good a game as any, if we see it simply as a fun game and we don't hurt people as we play it. But we don't see it as a game, and so we hurt others as we pursue our lethal path. Enlightenment is simply knowing the truth, not in the head, but with one's whole being, knowing that this is it. It's wonderful. Got a toothache? That's also it. Wonderful. When we think about the toothache, of course we don't think it's wonderful, but it is wonderful simply to be what life is in this second toothache and all. verses of the faith, on the faith mind. The third patriarch says, the great way is not difficult for those who do not pick and choose. <clears throat> Joko says, unfortunately, our human minds do us in. For the most part, animals are less manipulative with their lives. Sometimes they may try to play tricks. I once had a dog who didn't like to come home when he was called so he'd stand behind the hedge on the opposite side of the street. That worked well in the summer. He'd stand hidden behind the hedge, just as quiet as could be, but when leaves fell off in the fall, he'd still run there to hide, standing quietly and completely visible. Still, dogs and other animals do not get as confused as we do about the purpose of their lives. Unlike us, they just live. Some of us are in the middle of disasters, others are not. Of course, we don't want to stay forever in the middle of a major disaster. But when we're in the middle of one, we practice hard, showing up at the Zendo more often, doing whatever we can do to cope. Then life settles down. We cease practicing with such intensity. One mark of maturing practice is to see that life is always totally a crisis and totally not a crisis. They're the same thing. In a mature practice, we practice just as hard whether there's a crisis or not. Crisis or no crisis, we just do it. Nothing is really solved until we understand that there is no solution. We're falling, and there's no answer to that. We can't control it. We're spending our life trying to stop the falling, yet it never stops. There's no solution, no wonderful person who can make it stop. No success, no dream, no anything can make it stop. Our body is just going down. Rich man, poor man, the powerful, the weak and oppressed, all of us. It's an Italian proverb. At the end of the chess game, the queen and the pawn go back into the same bag. Jopa says, the fall is a great blessing. If someone announced a pill that would cure death and allow us to live forever, that would be a true disaster. Picture yourself in 6,000 years still thinking the same old thoughts. With a cure for death, the whole meaning of being on this planet would change. And where would we put the new babies being born? All of us are aware of aging. Gray hairs, wrinkles, twinges. From the time we are conceived, we're dying. When I notice such signs, I don't rejoice. I don't like them any more than you do. Still, there's a big difference between disliking change and trying frantically to stop it. I think there's somewhere in one of his talks where Ajahn Chah, the, the Thai uh, master, uh, mentions suddenly feeling a new creak and thinking, yeah, that's about right. <coughs> I look at my hands and remember when I first saw them, they were my grandfathers, and now I've got them. Sooner or later we realize that the truth of life is the second we are living, just this second we are living, no matter whether that second is at the ninth floor or the first. In a sense, our life has no duration whatsoever. We're always living the same second. There's nothing but that second, the timeless present moment. Whether we live the second at the fifth floor or right over the pavement, it's all the same second. With that realization, each second is a source of joy. So, not that hard to understand, but it takes practice and it takes commitment that commitment may start out not so strong but it grows we practice correctly begin to really understand the value of this timeless present moment and the fact that it's always here it's always available no matter how nutsed up we get can always turn in that direction Joko says, without that realization, each second is misery. In fact, we often secretly want to be miserable. We like being at the center of a melodrama. Most of the time, we don't think there's any crisis. So far, so good. Or we think the crisis is the fact that we don't feel happy. That's not a crisis. That's an illusion. So we spend most of our life attempting to fix this non-existent entity that we think we are. In fact, we are this second. What else could we be? And this second has no time or space. I can't be the second that was five minutes ago. How can I be that? I'm here. I'm now. I can't be the second that's going to arrive in 10 minutes either. The only thing I can be is wiggling around on my cushion, feeling the pain in my left knee, experiencing whatever else is happening now. That's who I am. I can't be anything else. I can imagine that in ten minutes I won't have a pain in my left knee, but that's sheer fantasy. I can remember a time when I was young and pretty. That's sheer fantasy also. Most of our difficulties, our hopes, and our worries are simply fantasies. Nothing has ever existed except this moment. That's all there is. That's all we are. Yet most human beings spend 50 to 90% or more of their time in their imagination living in fantasy. Each of us knows the truth of this. People who practice know it better than others. Maybe the first fruit of practice sitting down on the mat and finding out what's going on upstairs. We think about what has happened to us, what might have happened, how we feel about it, how we should be different, how others should be different, how it's all a shame and so on and on. It's all fantasy, all imagination. Memory is imagination. It's the nature of memory. Every memory that we stick to devastates our life. Of course, the key thing is sticking to it. (laughs) It's not that we never remember everything, anything. But memory takes us out of this moment. takes us out of our life. Practical thinking, when we're not clinging to some fantasy but just getting something done, is another matter. My knee hurts. Perhaps I should investigate treatment for it. The thoughts that destroy us are the ones in which we're trying to stop the fall and not hit bottom. I'm going to fix him. I'm going to fix myself. Or I'm going to understand myself. When I finally understand myself, I'll be at peace, and then life will be all right. No, it won't be all right. It will be whatever it is, just this second, just the wonder. As we sit, can we sense this wonder? Can we feel the wonder in the fact that we're here, that as human beings we can appreciate this life? Feel this wonder. This is the real koan work. What is it that we're awake, aware? What a privilege to be able to look into that follow that closely meticulously she says in this respect we are more fortunate than animals i doubt that a cat or a beetle has the capacity to appreciate though i may be wrong and i can lose and i can lose the appreciation the wonder if i wander from this moment if someone yells at me joko you're a mess and i get lost in my reactions my thoughts about protecting myself or retaliating, then I've lost the wonder. But if I stay with this moment, it's just being yelled at. It's nothing. But we all get stuck in our reactions. As human beings, we have a wonderful capacity to see what life is. I don't know if any other animal has that ability. If we waste it and don't truly practice, Everyone with whom we come in contact feels the effects. That means our partners, our children, our parents, our friends. Practice isn't something that we do just for ourselves. If it were, in a way it wouldn't make any difference. As our life shifts into reality, everyone we meet shifts too. If anything can affect this suffering universe, this is it. What, what more, what better thing can we do from the people that we see every day than to be present? It's how we help each other. I remember coming home from a sesheen once and uh, <clears throat> my son was a sullen teenager at the time. And I uh, can't even remember what was said, but uh remember walking into the room and he made <clears throat> a remark meant to offend me, and it just washed right across. It's just so, so okay. <clears throat> really helps to diffuse a lot of things. We have uh, a little bit of time left, and I'm going to read from another shorter section. It's entitled Simple Mind. The only mind that can sense life in a transformed way is a simple mind. The dictionary defines simple as having or composed of one part only. Awareness can take in a multiplicity of things just as the eye can take in many details at once, but awareness itself is one thing only. It remains unchanged without additions or modifications. Awareness is completely simple. We don't have to add anything to it or change it. It is unassuming and unpretentious. It can't help but be that way. Awareness is not a thing to be affected by this or that. When we live from pure awareness... We are not affected by our past, our present, or our future. Because awareness has nothing it can pretend to, it's humble, it's lowly, simple. Practice is about developing or uncovering a simple mind. For example, I often hear people complain that they feel overwhelmed by their lives. To be overwhelmed is to be caught by all the objects, the thoughts, the events of life, and to be affected emotionally by them so that we feel angry and upset. When we feel like that, we may do and say things that hurt ourselves or other people. Unlike the simple mind of pure awareness, we are confused by the multiplicity of the external environment. Then we can't see that everything external is us. We can't see that everything exists in us until we can live 80 or 90 percent out of a simple mind. Practice is about developing this kind of mind. It is not easy. It takes endless patience, diligence, and determination. Within this simplicity, this awareness, we understand past, present, and future, and we begin to be less affected by the barrage of experiences. We can live our life with, a, with appreciation and some compassion. The long, no longer does our life revolve around judgments such as, oh, he's so hard on me, I'm such a victim. You hurt my feelings, you're not the way I want you to be. People some tell me, sometimes tell me that after Sashin, life just flows without any problem. The same issues are there, but they present less difficulty. That happens because in Sashin, mind becomes more simple. Unfortunately, we tend to lose this simplicity because we again become caught in what appears to be very complex life around us. We feel that things aren't the way we want them to be, and we begin to struggle and to be at the mercy of our emotions. When this happens, we often behave in destructive ways. The longer we sit, the more we have periods, at first brief, then longer, when we sense that we don't need to be opposed to others, even when they are difficult. Instead of seeing them as problems, we begin to enjoy their foibles without having to fix them. For example, we can enjoy the fact that they are too silent, or they talk too much, or they put on too much makeup. To enjoy the world without judgment is what a realized life is like. It takes years and years and years of practice. Even then, I don't mean that every problem can be experienced without reaction. Still, a shift occurs, and if we move away from a purely reactive life in which everything that happens can trigger our... and we move away from a purely reactive life in which everything that happens can trigger our favorite defense. A simple mind is not mysterious. In a simple mind, awareness just is. It's open, transparent. There's nothing complicated about it. Ramana Maharshi, Indian sage, said we can't see reality which is completely simple without ourselves being completely simple. And we have a way to do that. So let's stop now and recite the four vows.